Hello, this is Brother Jim Ellis, and once again, I want to welcome you to our Dispensational Ministries podcast. This message is the third in a series concerning Satan's devices for evil. This message we've entitled, Fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. In these studies concerning the devices of Satan and evil, I have been attempting to identify the source behind the present evil madness that has come to our our country. We have many booklets, and especially a series of booklets concerning the battle for good and evil in America. And in those booklets, I explain some things about evil, the sources behind evil. I capitalize the word evil in those studies because it refers to this present evil in this world as a living entity. It is a living entity because its source and propagation is a living entity. It's like a spirit of evil that is self-sustaining and ever proliferating or out among the world of men and women. Satan, the fallen being, is the source and author of this evil. I've addressed him in uh, one of these other studies, so I'm not going any kind of detail about him, but one of his evil devices, and he has many of them, has many weapons in his arsenal of evil, but one of the things that he uses is creating fear in the hearts and minds and perceptions of men and women. Webster defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause pain or a threat. It is a mixed feeling of dread and reverence, a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something or the safety and well-being of someone, the likelihood of something unwelcome happening. Now, certain forms of fear are often referred to as anxiety and panic attacks, extreme stress, and other such things. And any of these can cause a multitude of physical and emotional responses. Some may even experience a sensation of cold chills from prolonged anxiety, which is actually a fear and dread of some physical or emotional experience. There are all different kinds of varieties of fear. Some are good fears, fears which prevent harm from coming into our lives. But some fear or fears are not so good and can often become dangerous. Unreasonable and unjustified fear can lead to some other severe and disturbing emotional anxieties and emotional instabilities. Often professional agitators whip up mobs of men and women into a frenzied storm of anger by using some element of fear. The fear that is, the spirit of fear that is generated and propagated and induced by the author of evil is a consuming evil fear. Its infestation and danger is not only in the presence of fear itself, but also in the other emotionally unstable maladies that it brings or harvests inside men and women. 
and inordinate fear, especially the spirit of fear, can dwell deep inside men and women, and it is often never spoken of or seen from the outside. But it can be very traumatic and emotional malady. For God's people, it does not have to be a permanent part of their lives. We do have spiritual resources which can and will remove that spirit of fear from our hearts and minds. Those resources are in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God that indwells every true believer in Jesus Christ. But unreasonable fear can lead to a type of unstable panic, delusional anxieties, an unfounded dread and emotional stress which can often lead to unhinged behavior. It can degenerate into a wrathful anger and resentment and lead to unjustified vengeance and violence. It can bring a sense of getting even for imaginary wrongs. The spirit of fear that the Apostle Paul is describing here is not a reasonable fear. It is not a good fear. It is not a good fear or a fear which is founded in facts and actual circumstances and reality. It is a fear which is generated by evil and is a fear which is completely unreasonable in every way, shape, or form. It is not justified and helpful. It is an unstable kind of fear. This fear is the kind of a state of being fear, which has the ability to produce panic, anger, and an unstable state of mind and almost seems in some a lunacy and an irrational thinking and actions are the results. It is a form of mental blindness and lunacy that cannot be reasoned with from logic or reasoned thinking. A person who may be infected with this particular fear will not because they cannot in their panic state be calmed by logic. If a person can possess a sound mind, then it's reasonable to assume that 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 a person can possess an unsound mind, a mind or thought process that is unsound and is infected by unsound and unreasonable thinking, which leads to unreasonable and panicked actions, actions which emanate from fear, anger, a false sense of imagined victimhood from supposed predatory beings. The imagined becomes real in their hearts and minds. They imagine themselves to be victims of some perceived or often imaginary injustice. It does not have to be real injustice. It merely has to be a perceived injustice to spark that spirit of fear, which then produces the panic lunacy. It is often manifested by a sense of victimhood, which produces an imagined sense of being prey, which leads to a panic, stampede of lunacy, anger, and often revenge for some kind of fabricated and fictitiously perceived wrong. It may bring with it a, re- a desire for revenge, even though the wrong is an imaginary wrong. 
I learned a valuable truth early in my life that says a matter does not have to be true for people to believe it is true. They merely have to perceive it is true. If a lie is repeated often enough and declared fervently enough over time, the lie will become perceived as true even when it is an evident lie. A lie becomes perceived truth, but perceived truth does not make a lie true. It is still a lie. It has simply deceived many into believing a lie as truth because they have perceived a lie to be true through deception. When that perception becomes settled in their minds, it is often very difficult to convince them otherwise, even when the clear facts of reason and evidence are overwhelming. Prey animals, such as cattle, when they perceive an imminent threat from a predator, they'll panic with fear and often stampede as a herd. They become panicked into a state of frantic, emotional, and hysterical fear. And they will run as a herd until they perceive the threat they've ended or until they just truly cannot run any longer. I have witnessed cattle and even a single cow become so afraid or alarmed that they become unhinged and completely unmanageable. That blinding fear will cause them to run through fencing, into rivers, creeks, ponds, even fall into steep ditches where they sometimes break their legs and bones. They will stampede over and through anything or anyone in their pathway. It is a fear of panic and a serious form of unhinged emotional insanity, lunacy, and even madness. That perceived threat does not even have to be real. Only perceived for prey animals to panic. I've seen an empty bag of cattle feed blow across a field where cattle were and cause them to stampede with fear. We are seeing that spirit of fear played out in America in millions of men and women. Single words or phrasings of words are being used by groups of panicked men and women whose minds have been affected and afflicted by the presence of evil in this country. Words like terrified, being afraid, scared, horrified, petrified, panicked, and becoming commonplace in their vocabulary. Let's use as an example the vocabulary of the agents of social unrest in America. They portray themselves as social warriors who are determined to undo all the supposed social injustice in America. A social injustice which in many ways only exist in their convoluted thinking and minds. Yet, they are convinced that those who are of sound mind and thinking are their enemies and must be eradicated. These supposed social warriors of our time have become ingrained with the idea of victimhood, which has generated a sense of being prey to another segment of society. And they are stampeding against that wrongly perceived threat. That is the spirit of fear that evil has created and promoted in American society among many. They have been whipped up into an unhinged emotional insanity by the forces of evil in America. 
They have been convinced by the forces of evil that they have been treated like prey animals and are the victims of other segments of society. The notion of victimhood is running wide and deep in the unsound hearts and minds of millions of deceived American men and women. They have become so infected by the spirit of fear that they're unable to see and discern that the threat and their supposed victimhood, for the most part, and in many cases, only exist in their hearts and minds. It is now degenerated into an epidemic of paranoid distrust and unreasonable fear and anger. I've produced both written studies and podcast messages messages that deal with the cause and effect of evil in our society. The spirit of fear that Paul speaks of here is one of the symptoms of this infection and the tactics of evil in our society. God has not created or given us this spirit of fear, as Paul said. So it must have its origins in something or someone else. This paranoid spirit of fear has risen to epidemic proportions in our society. Now, Paul gives us three alternatives to this spirit of fear that is taking such a terrible grip over the hearts and minds and lives of so many in our country. He says God has given us not the spirit of fear, but of power. Men and women who are outside the Lord Jesus Christ are pretty much helpless to withstand the onslaughts of Satan's evil. But when men and women who are in Jesus Christ most certainly are not, not if they take advantage of the power of God that indwells them. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the cardinal mind receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them, neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Paul said again in 2 Timothy 2.25, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance, to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. When men and women find themselves in this bondage of fear, they will seek for answers, responses, and solutions to these traits of evil that have infested a society, but they will never find the truth or solution, or solutions because they often will not seek for them in the right place. I read an article some time ago about young people cheating on tests in high school and colleges. The people writing the article was talking about how bad it got and has gotten all around America in the public school system and colleges. The teachers who contributed to the article were dumbfounded to understand why it was so widespread among young people. They made comments like, why do these young people not understand that by cheating on a test, they're not actually hurting 
anyone but themselves and their future. They condemn cheating as wrong and damaging to the students themselves. And these people who were commenting in the article and writing the article were mystified as to why those young people could not see and understand the damage they were doing to themselves by cheating on tests. One contributor to the article said, if they would put as much ingenuity and effort into studying as they did in their conniving efforts to cheat, they would all make good grades. The article never found the solution. It never came to the right conclusion. It ended on a note of mystification and lack of understanding as to why those young people would do such a thing. Well, it's no mystery why. Not when one understands what has been taught in the public schools for the last 50 plus years. The philosophies of subjective behavior that condemns the standards of right and wrong, and it substitutes a standard of moral behavior which is contrary to the standards of God, and it has become the core public education in America. For decades, young people have been taught that all morality is subjective and there's no real set of standards for right and wrong. Things like situation ethics. Ethics, because they do not believe in a fixed morality or set of right and wrong standards set by a supreme being. They'll tell their students, your actions of life are not and should not be based on morals or absolute truth. They should be based on the situations of life that you find yourself in. They say we govern our lives and actions based on the existing situation at the time. What's right in one situation may not be right in another. This leaves a young person free to evaluate the situation and conclude, I need to pass this test. So my parents won't be mad at me Oh, so I won't lose some kind of privilege or so that something won't be taken away from me or so I can make good enough grades to get into college or dozens of other convoluted and selfish reasons. So they're left to conclude through their situation ethics, it's in my best interest to cheat. Thus, the ends justifies the means. They are never required to judge their actions according to a set standard of right and wrong. They are free to base their wrong in situations that benefit them without regard to right or wrong. They can do that because they have been taught there's no such thing as right, wrong, or morality, or immorality. The whole educational system, those who teach, in many cases, are responsible for the situation that they created And now that they've created the situation, they are powerless to understand how to solve the problem. They are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, as Paul said. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation of everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, the power of God which is the salvation of Jesus Christ, has the power to change a person's mind and behavior 
And it gives them the newfound ability to discern right and wrong according to the truth of God. Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The alternative to the spirit of fear, number one, power, the power of God in Jesus Christ. The change of heart, the change of mind, the change of soul and spirit. The second thing he says is love. Now, that's true love as defined by God and not by the unstable, vacillating emotional tendencies and affections of unregenerate mankind. I have explained in several of our written studies what true love is from the Word of God. True love that's based in the revelational truth of God as opposed to the love based in the humanistic philosophies of mankind. Titus 3.3 says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared. The love of God in Jesus Christ that brings regeneration to the soul and spirit of men and women brings a, a change of heart and mind and soul and spirit. God's definition of love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The word, however, is not used in that passage. It is translated charity for a distinct reason and purpose. It is charity because it is love that is generated not by or through the vacillating emotions of mankind, but through the power of the indwelling Spirit of God. It is God's love. And in that chapter, we see how God's love responds. Not the way man's kind of love responds. It's popular in religious circles. Now they talk about love, love this, love that one. But it's not always viewed from the biblical love of God. It is a different kind and degree of love the love of God, separate from the shallow love of mankind that loves you today but may not love you tomorrow or next week or next year. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Paul said, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches that mankind is a body and a soul and a spirit. Each part of our being has its own particular function in our consciousness and existence. The spirit of man was given to mankind as a vehicle for knowing God and knowing God in truth and being able to fellowship and commune with God. It is part of mankind which has the ability to know God and discern him and his revealed truth. Before regeneration, our spirit is said to be dead in sin. That's it's not dead in the sense that it does not exist, but it, it is functionally dead. The spirit of a non-regenerated person is not able to function in the purpose for which it was given. It cannot know God in truth and not fully be able to discern the truth of God. It does not have the ability to rightly fellowship and commune with the one true living God. Oh, it can 
can be and often is very religious. But its religion is not and cannot be founded and grounded in the truth of God because it is not able to fully discern or understand the truth of God. It is blinded to the truth. It is dead in sin, the Bible says. The Bible says it is spiritually discerned. But at the very moment a man or woman or young person repents of their sin and accepts the free salvation and eternal life by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, they are instantly regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. That dead spirit that the Bible says was dead in trespasses and sin, that dead spirit is regenerated and made alive inside mankind. And until that regeneration by grace through faith takes place, a person is lost and dead in their sins, and spiritually unable to fellowship with or to know the truth of God. Yes, they can be very, very religious, but not according to the truth of God. Regeneration is a one-time act or event. It's not a process. It takes place the person instantly repents and believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that better. It takes place the very instant a person repents and believes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then the third thing that Paul said about what God, what about the spirit of fear and the alternative to it is the renewing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. That's a process that takes place after regeneration. A renewing of our body, soul, and spirit by the Spirit of God after regeneration. The next part of our spiritual life begins to take place, and that's called the renewing. In regeneration, we are given all the spiritual blessings God has to give a human being. Salvation, eternal life, the indwelling of the Spirit, redemption, adoption, and a multitude of other spiritual blessings become ours. The very moment of our salvation. We are regenerated, made new. Our eternal life and eternal home in heaven is forever fixed and secure in Jesus Christ. But our daily walk with and for him and as his children has just begun. As his people, we then must be taught how to faithfully serve and live for him according to the truth of God. We do that by way of the next thing we want to talk about, a sound mind that comes about through a day-to-day walk and learning in His divine truth. Regeneration is instantaneous. It happens at the moment we believe and accept the truth in Jesus Christ. But the renewing is a daily process where we learn and grow as Christian men and women in Jesus Christ. New Christians are viewed in the Bible as babes in Christ. Men and women who have been regenerated for a period of time, but have not grown in Christ, are seen as cardinal in the Scriptures. Thus, we must have our minds renewed through the truth of the Word of God. The last part of that verse, and when he's talking about the spirit of fear, says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, 
of love and of sound mind. The standard of normal behavior is always based in one's definition of normality. The world of lost men and women has one standard of normal or normality and God has a different one. The sound mind God supplies to men and women allows them to see clearly through the darkness of evil and rightly discern his standard of normal. It's common for some to exhort others to do the right thing. But that doing right depends on one's definition of right. Is there a definition of right defined by man or by God? One liberal politician recently told men to sit down and shut up and do the right thing. Well, of course. The right thing she spoke of was based in her own standards of right and wrong, not necessarily God's standards. The sound mind that God gives is more than someone merely being in touch with reality or the trait of self-control or the absence of wrathful, raging behavior. This sound mind understands and accepts the matters of life as God has revealed them to be. This sound mind views life and living according to the standards of God and not mankind. Paul told us in Ephesians 4.22 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As the mouth feeds the body and renews it, the spirit or the, the word of God feeds the spirit and mind of man and renews it. Paul said to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. The longer we're saved, the longer we give attention to the truth of the word of God, the more we will be renewed in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. Remember, regeneration takes care of our eternal destiny and eternal home. But while we're still alive on this earth, we're to be renewed in Jesus Christ day by day. And we begin that process of renewing by filling our minds with the truth of the Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to take that truth and process it throughout our entire being. Before any man or woman is regenerated, he or she does not and cannot know the truth of God. And thus they cannot live their lives according to the truth of God. Before regeneration, we cannot and do not truly know what right and wrong or good or bad, love or hate, actually is, not according to the definition of God's truth. Even after regeneration, we do not automatically know. Knowing the truth comes by way of the process of renewing and learning on a day-by-day walking with God in the truth of the Word of God. All we may know of good and evil is, as has been defined by the social standards of conduct that have been set by unregenerate men and women, and not the standards of God in His revealed Word. Before regeneration, we do not know of right and wrong, moral or immoral. We had learned by way of social standards or by that which was set maybe by society of men and women that we were born into. After regeneration, as we grow in Christ, we are renewed day by day through the work of the Spirit of God. 
the spirit of fear can be a terrible, terrible thing. It can consume, confound, and confuse men and women and compel them into doing some things that are completely without reason and logic. But the Word of God is that which He's given us through the Spirit of God to combat and to counteract that spirit of fear. Paul says in the book of Ephesians, he, he goes on and tells, tells us there in chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. And he, he lists many things that are listed in that armor. And he says that to take unto ourselves the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is our one tool for combating the spirit of fear, the spirit of evil. There are multitudes of passages which tell us of the immeasurable value of the Word of God is to our Christian lives and development in our Christian growth. In America, as it has been across the world, the assaults are evil or in full, all-out assault. The stormtroopers of evil are employing every evil device in their arsenal of evil. The hearts and minds and soulless spirits of every man and woman is the battlefield. That's where the war is being fought. God's people must know how to identify and recognize those devices and how to counteract those devices and how to be able to personally withstand the assaults of the devices of evil. And if God's people, if God's people, if God's people do not stand, there can be no hope for the eternal fate of the regenerated populations of men and women in this country, the United States of America, or anywhere else, anywhere around the world upon, and upon the face of this earth. God's people have a divine responsibility to take the truth of the Word of God and teach and preach and communicate that truth to other men and women, and then to stand on the truth and righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this study. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all.